All right, I'm going to read it because um, I want you to hear this. It says in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, When Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Just then a man named Jairus came, and he was a leader of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house because he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, and she was at death's door. Reading out of the New Holman standard uh, version he says jump down to verse um, verse number uh, the, the next verse he says while he was going the crowds were nearly crushing him a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years who had spent all she had on doctors yet could not be healed by any approached from behind from behind and touched the tassel of his robe instantly her bleeding stopped I want to pray. And before I pray, I want to just talk to you today about seeing God through life's interruptions. Seeing God through life's interruptions. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. I thank you that you are here to meet the needs of uh, just your people. God, that you love them, love them, that you are concerned about them. God, I pray that you get all the glory. Hide me behind your cross and let me speak what you want your people to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, sometimes in life there are interruptions. You ever had an interruption where you were on your way to do something, there was something that you had planned, but then there was an unexpected situation that you had to stop and you had to deal with. I think our world, the, the, the global community, stopped March of 2020 because of this pandemic. Everything stopped. Jobs stopped. Going to school stopped. You're, 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 I mean, every churches were, were trying to figure out, can we still meet? Everything stopped. So amazing. In December of 2099, 20, uh, 2019, um, we were talking with my brother who, who lives in Alpharetta. His daughter was uh, enrolled in a medical program at Duke and they were over in China in the Wuhan area. We got word that she had to hurry up and leave. And, and I was like, what's that all about? So we had to text things going on. And my brother and his wife were like, yeah, we got to get our daughter out of there. Something's going on. Next thing I know, they're like texting us saying it was in December, the end of December, they said uh, uh, she, she got out. She made it back from China. She made it to North Carolina. Oh, she made it to Atlanta just in time. And then we're like, what's going on? And they were like, well, we don't know. It's some kind of outbreak or some kind of kind of virus or something. Little did we know, three months later, that thing would hit the United States. My niece was at ground zero. She wasn't supposed to you know, interrupt her studies, but there was an interruption. It, it, it dawned on me, uh, remember when they drop the interest rates, the feds, they usually meet and they, you know, take some while to deliberate how to, you know, when they're going to drop the interest rates. Well, what was so profound was that on their way to the meetings, they were actually doing phone calls, I guess, they were able to drop interest rates like on their way to a meeting. Have you ever seen or heard of the Fed moving that fast on something that would affect everybody in the world? And this interruption, it changed the trajectory of everything that we knew. This pandemic came and it still changed the game. That's a major interruption. 
Maybe you were in, you know, kind of kind of floating along doing your thing and all of a sudden you go to the doctor for an annual checkup and then they tell you, hey, we've got some bad news. I would call that an interruption. Maybe you're on your way to work and you thought your department was doing fine and the numbers, yeah, they were a little shaky. You were been off, you've been off, you know, for the last, you know, couple of months, but hey, you had a new vision for your team. You had some new, uh, initiatives you wanted to incorporate, but that particular day you go in and your boss says, I want to talk to you before you start your day. And next thing you know, you're taking your items home in a box because you lost your job. Life's interruptions. I'm going to tell you, you know, some of the some of the faulty teaching and thinking that I've heard is just because things are going well in your life, God is with you. Don't you know that there could be things going all around you, but God could still be with you. So don't look at your circumstances to know if God is with me. Ask Daniel. He was in alliance then. You think God was with him? Yes. The Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were they were in, in a fire. They were in a, in, in, a, in a furnace, but God was still there. So don't look at your circumstances to the Determine if God is with you. Trust his word. God's not going to go back on his word. Amen. I, I want us as a, as a church, my, my, my whole uh, desire is that we will become people who will be people of the word. Not looking at the wind, but looking at the word. Here. You have Jesus. Now, the Lord had me just to just to kind of read up to the whole, yeah, read, read all of, of Luke. Because I wanted to get an idea, kind of, okay, what's the setting? What, what's going on here? Uh, the book of Luke, I love it. Luke starts writing out. He says, I'm writing this faithful account to you, Theophilus, because I want you to know exactly everything that happened. And I want you to have a record of those things. You can trust what I'm writing here. Luke was one of the apostles. Luke was the physician. Now, positions are very meticulous. You know, they're like engineers. They, they kind of make sure everything has to be in order. So Luke is a qualified writer of this book to let us know the accounts of Jesus. So when you read the book of Luke, you're going to get a little more detail than you, than you may get from John or, or Mark. Uh, you're going to get a little different detail. But, but I love Luke. So Luke, he talks about how God really impressed upon him to write these accounts. And the one thing that I noticed as I'm reading through the book of Luke is the presence of the Holy Spirit. I said it yesterday. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on the planet right now. The Holy Spirit is the most important person on the planet. He moves in the hearts of people. He, he directs our path. He establishes our course. If you follow the Holy Spirit, if you're led by the Spirit, you're a son of God. What are those who want to do their own thing and don't want to be led by the Spirit? Somebody's going to lead you. I would hope that it's not just you, but it is the Holy Spirit. Here he says, when Jesus returned, now Jesus has been ministering all throughout. I mean, he's starting to, his ministry starting to take place. Uh, not too long ago, he's actually been uh, in the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And he, during that time, he was tempted by the devil. And then he comes out and he goes into the synagogue and he's preaching. He's preaching and the Bible says that he opens up the book. He just happens to open up the book and it fell to Isaiah. He said, 
says, oh, now, you know, the, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There it is, the Spirit of the Lord again. He's saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he's given me an assignment to preach the gospel, to, 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 to bring light to those that are, that are in darkness, open the blinded eyes, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he says, to proclaim those, uh, to, to set those who have been bondage, to set them at liberty. And then he closes the book and said, now, this here, th- what you've just heard, you're going to now see. I mean, you know, they probably had a lot of folks coming through there, opening up the book and reading and and giving their scriptures. But nobody ever said, now this scripture that was just read is now fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus was different. He was already different. And so Jesus now, he's starting to heal people in, in, in his ministry. Jesus was healing people, healing uh, people who were uh, casting out devils uh, in people. And he was doing all these things. He was calling the disciples at this time. And so now the fame of Jesus is actually starting to, to not just uh, go from where he was, but now it's trying to go throughout the region, not just Galilee, but all throughout that, that region where he is. So much so that a ruler of a local synagogue said, you know what, this Jesus, something's up with him. He said, you know what, Um, I need to go see him. I got a daughter who's sick. So he goes to Jesus. And he says here, uh, just then, uh, verse 41, a man named Jairus came. He was the leader of of the synagogue. He fell down at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him to come to his house. His daughter, 12-year-old daughter, she was on death's door. She was sick, as some translations say. You know, when you're a desperate parent, you, you, anybody got children here? Well, let me, anybody a child, ever been a child here? Okay, everybody hands your raise up. Good. Um, your parents will move heaven and earth if there's something that you're dealing with, especially young, young children. When your children are young, Kim Millie jokes with me, I have uh, three boys and a, and a girl, and they said, she said, um, one day my daughter was out riding bikes and she fell off the bike and scraped her knee and I had a fit. I said, oh, my baby daughter, knee all scraped up. I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? So I'm putting a Band-Aid on her, putting all the, you know, cleaning all the, 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 the wound and everything, make sure it's all set. And I'm like, my daughter can't have no, no, no scratched up knees, you know. And I'm like, dude, come on, Jay, are you all right? So, so you know, I get her all set. And then uh, my boys were out playing one day, and one of them fell and scraped up his arm. And, and I said, hey, is he, is, are you bleeding? He said, yeah. I said, well, just, just take care of it, man. You, you know, just... Just go ahead and get a, get a Band-Aid. You know, you'll be all right. You know, she was like, well, hold up. You know, you, you're making a fuss about your daughter, but, but your son. I said, well, that's, that's what they need. That makes them tough. She said, well, you didn't want your daughter to be tough. I said, well, listen, I want her to be tough in a different kind of way. I want her to be a different kind of tough. I don't want her to be all scratched up tough. But I want her to be, and she was like, well, you know, you got to treat them the, the, the same. I said, well, yeah, but, and that's just, you know, we... We working through that. But, but for her, I was so careful. And, and when your children are young and there's something happening to them, you know, you will lose your sense of coolness to go get help for them. That's the way J.I. was. Well, he was no different than us. He went to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is about to die. No doubt. Now listen, if, G- if Jesus was on the preaching circuit, 
This would have been Jesus's big break because up until this point, he would go into the synagogues and read, but he wouldn't be there on a regular basis. Like, you know, he wouldn't be like like going there every day. He would you know, he was out, you know, uh, on, on the seashore. He was out, you know, in the fields teaching and big crowds. But now Jay Iris was like, hey, we want you to come and uh, we want you to do ministry for us. And I bet the disciples, especially Judas, was like, Jesus, come on, Jesus. We finally got that call. Jesus, we got the call because Judas, you know, he's all about the money. Jesus, man, we we get we heal J. Harris's daughter. We sick. We can we set. We can book every synagogue in town. You can come preach first Sunday, second Sunday, third, fourth. This will be it. Jesus and Jesus wasn't concerned about that. Jesus was more concerned about his assignment than any popularity or any kind of thing. Now, I'm just, now, I mean, this ain't in the text. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to paint the picture of what this, what this could have been. But, but Jesus was like, okay, yeah, I'll go. Now, the Bible says, in, in, in my Bible here, verse number 40, 42 of yours says it. He says, while he was going, does your text say while he was going on his way? As soon as he heard that, he started to go. But then guess what? There was a woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. He, he, was, he was on his way. All of a sudden, he got a phone call, got a text. He got stopped. See, sometimes God will interrupt what you are doing that might be good because he's got something greater that he wants to do for you. So sometimes we got to see God through life's interruptions. Sometimes we think, oh man, like, like I, I can't be, I can't be deterred, but sometimes, sometimes you got to stop. So Jesus is going and all of a sudden there's this woman, the Bible says this was a woman who suffered from, from internal bleeding for 12 long years. She had a, she had a, she had an issue of bleeding. Now, if you know anything about Leviticus and about Levitical culture and the rules, what this meant was this woman was an outcast. She was unclean. Nobody wanted to be near her. She had this cycle that just would not stop. And so that made her unclean. And just no doubt. I mean, just come on. We, we, you know, naturally, you know, if there's some, some flowing of blood for a long period of time, there's going to be some, not only some, some physical, you know, uh, 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 you know, smells and things, but just think of her mental state. I mean, can you imagine? She's, she's, she's been out of fellowship for 12 years. Here's the thing that, that got me. Jay Iris and his daughter spent 12 years of just enjoying life. I mean, he probably took her to the park in, in Galilee. Probably took her, you know, to her first day of whatever school they had. And they were daddy and daughter going through the park, you know, going, just enjoying life. Maybe he took her to the movies if they had them back then. I don't know. Just, just hanging out. 12 years hanging out with his daughter. The same amount of time that Jay Iris was enjoying his daughter, this woman was suffering for that same amount of time. 12 years. Years old, she's been suffering for 12 years. She probably got that issue the same time Jairus was celebrating the birth of his daughter. For 12 long years, he 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 had his daughter, but this woman suffered. It says here, the woman suffered from bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all that she had on doctors. Uh, recently, I had to get some eye surgery. And uh, I just want to say shout out to all the anesthesiologists in the world. I love you. I, if you're an anesthesiologist, God bless you. Because that medicine they gave me to put me down, 
And when I woke up, I was, this is the best sleep I ever had. Oh, I was like, thank you, Jesus. But back then, they didn't have the kind of medical you know, advances we had. The Bible says that she had suffered and spent, well, she spent all that she had on the doctors. Can you imagine these doctors trying to figure out what's wrong with this woman? Woman, They probably experimented on her. They probably did all kind of, well, let's try this. Let's try that. And she had to pay for it. She had to put money out of her pocket to pay for this. And, and, and can you imagine? I mean, medical expenses now are high. But can you imagine when you're barely making any money? You're an outcast. Nobody's going to be associated with you. You're feeling down about yourself. You're feeling less than. And then you got to pay for somebody to make you even worse. So the doctors taking all her money. They couldn't then she couldn't be healed by any. They and she was approached uh, and, 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 and just by um, she approached from behind. See, the reason she did that. So here's here's this woman is just paint the picture. This woman for 12 years has been disassociated with people. According to Leviticus, she was unclean. Therefore, she couldn't boldly approach Jesus. What did she do? The Bible says that she just she said, if I could just touch the tassel of if I could just get his him. Why does she say his him? She said, because I'm not worthy to touch anything else of him. I'm not worthy to put my hands on his robe. I'm not worthy enough to put my hand on his hand. I'm just worthy enough to, to just touch the hem of his garment. Yes, sir. Jesus, at that moment, he stopped. The Bible said, Jesus stopped. I mean, here he is. Now, remember, he's going to heal Jairus' daughter who's at death's bed. And this woman with an issue of blood stops him in the crowd. And the disciples are trying to rush. You know how you got handlers? Handler, come on, Jesus. Come, we got to go, Jesus. And Jesus, hold, hold, hold up. Jesus, Jairus' daughter. I mean, come on, she's going to die any moment. But they're like, well, hold, Jesus, hold up. Wait right here. Something happened. He said, somebody touched me. They said, well, Jesus, listen, look at the crowd. It's like the Carolina Panthers game, walking down, down Charlotte. You know, it's like you're walking through the crowd. I, I mean, hopefully they'll be six feet apart with the mask on, but I don't know how that's going to work, you know. But he's walking through the crowd. Somebody touches him. He stops, and Jesus says, somebody touched me. And, and the disciples are like, well, yeah, somebody touched you, but let's go. He said, no, somebody touched me differently. Somebody touched me by faith. See, it doesn't matter where you touch God, but as long as you reach out in faith, it's our faith that allows us to receive the things of God. It's our faith that allows us to stand on the promises of God. The Bible says the just shall live by his faith. And uh, Hebrews 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. She knew that Jesus was a healer. Why? Because she had heard all about him. She went to the doctors and they couldn't help her. She went to her friends and they couldn't help her. She went to all the places that she knew and they couldn't help her and she said you know I only got one last result one last hope and that is Jesus if Jesus can't do it then nobody can maybe the church needs to understand that if Jesus can't do it nobody can no banking system no educational system no government system no political official not if Jesus can't do it nobody can she realizes Jesus is the one she reaches out Jesus stops and Jesus said, virtue has gone out of me. Goodness has gone out of me.
Anytime God does anything, it's because of his goodness, his mercy, his virtue. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. We don't deserve it. We, we, I mean, you know what we deserve for Christmas? We deserve coal and rocks. But God gives us things and, and God blesses us. If we, if, the, if we really understood how unworthy we are, I think some of us would not be so proud. Dr. Stevens, I think, we, I think that, that, uh, that pride meter would go down. Because <laughs> Paul said, everything that I've done, I count it all as dung. I count, I count it all as lost. Except I could just know the exceeding greatness of God. He said, I, I, everything else that I've done, every accomplishment, that's why, see, the thing that makes the, the, the body of Christ so powerful and so unique is that we don't get ahead by those things we bring to the table. We get ahead by what he did. So in, in reality, we're all the same. We're, we're all the same. We have different functions. Maybe God's got you in a different area of, of the vineyard, but, but we're all the same. So this woman, she reaches out and Jesus said in verse 45, who touched me? Jesus asked. And when they all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds are hemming you in and pressing against you. He said, yeah, but someone did touch me. Jesus said, and I know that power has gone from me. Jesus knows. Jesus knew. He said, when the woman saw that she was discovered, oh, she said, oh, no, I'm caught. I'm caught. She thought it was over. Listen, this woman had been an outcast for 12 years. She tried to sneak up on Jesus just to touch his garment. She didn't think he was going to stop. She didn't think he was going to notice her. You may be sitting here right now. You may be out online saying, Jesus doesn't care about me. Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through. The Bible says that Jesus is the only high priest who is touched with our infirmities. If anybody knows about you, it's Jesus. If anybody can feel your pain, it's Jesus. If anybody can say, look, brother, sister, I've been right there. He was called a bastard child. He was laughed at, ridiculed. They didn't know what he was all about, but Jesus knows. So listen, don't you stay quiet. Don't you stay in the catacombs hidden. No, Jesus knows right where you are. Maybe today is the day that you come out from behind that low self-esteem, thinking that the world can label you. Jesus wants to do something in this woman's life. So he stopped. He stopped and he said, hey, woman saw that she was discovered and she came trembling and she fell at his feet too. She did the same thing that J. Iris did. He came and fell at the feet of Jesus. She came and fell at the feet of Jesus. Oh, here's what I love about this. She fell down before him in his presence and all the people. And she declared the reason that she had touched him. And how she was, instant, she was instantly cured. And then here's what I love about Jesus. Jesus said to her, daughter. Come on, come, I, you got to go with me. For 12 years, she was an outcast. They probably called her everything but a child of God. They disassociated her from her family, her friends. She had nothing. The doctors had abused her. She was out of money. She had no clout, no status. Doesn't say she had a child. She was just, she was just there. And nobody called her anything of any value but 
Jesus said daughter. Jesus called her daughter. Do you know how that made this girl feel? Oh, I feel special. I feel loved. I feel accepted. Jesus called her daughter. Oh, boy, man, man. She, Boy, he, he, put, he put perspective into her life. He basically said, you got purpose, you got value, you got meaning, you got existence, you are here for a reason. It's not just, you're not just anybody. No, you're my daughter. Jesus knows exactly who we are. But let's not forget, this was not Jesus' assignment. This was an interruption. This was an interruption. Why? Jesus still had to go and deal with Jairus' daughter. Let's not forget the text. So he says, and while he was speaking, talking to her, here's what he said to, to his to da to daughter. I mean, boy, that made, oh boy, that just, talk about mental, mental healing. Boy, that did it for her. He said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. He probably said shalom, which means to be whole in every area of your life, mind, body, and spirit. Probably meant your finances too, your relationships being healed. He said, you can go back to society. I bet she went back home and they were like, hey, she looks different. She, hey, she, hey, she, she probably feels different. Yeah, but why? Because Jesus has now called her by name, given her status, given her a place of authority. And now she's a daughter. Daughter means you're accepted in the family. It means you're back in fellowship. It means you one of us. That's what Jesus does. So he says that to her. And then while he's speaking, someone comes from the synagogue root leader's house and said, Jesus, don't, don't worry. J. Iris is dead. J. J. Iris is dead, so don't even, don't even worry. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Jesus heard it and he answered and said, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Jesus, see, I'm telling you, everything about Jesus, it, it, they were talking to the healer himself, saying that this person is dead. They didn't know Jesus. They didn't understand what Jesus' assignment was. They didn't get it yet. He said, after he came to the house and let no one enter with him except Peter, James, and John. You know Jesus had a small group, right? He had a little crew. He had a group of people that he hung with. So he said, listen, boys, y'all come with me. This girl is dead, but guess what? I'm the resurrection and the life. Uh, anybody around me, whatever's dead around me is going to be alive. When I'm on the scene, I'm life itself. So I'm not worried about dead things. That's just a physical manifestation, but I'm life. And so he took the, the disciples with him and the child's father and mother, and everyone was crying around and mourning for her. But Jesus said, y'all stop crying. See, there's times where there's, there's times to cry, and then there's time for you to stop crying. Sometimes you got to believe. How long are you going to sit there? Maybe you're saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Woe is me. Stop crying and start trusting. Start believing. And that's what he's saying. And so he said, after he came into the house, he let no one enter with them except Peter, James, and John. But then everybody was crying and mourning. But he said, stop the crying, for she is not dead. She is asleep. It's amazing they were crying, now they're laughing at him. Like, oh, now, Jesus, you, Jesus, you, you're okay, now, Jesus, you done lost it. Because they knew, they knew she was dead. <laughs> See, there is a difference between knowledge and, and truth. There's a difference between knowledge and truth. See, um, 
Truth, def truth defies environments. Knowledge doesn't. For example, my wife and I, uh, well, actually, you didn't go with me this time, but I went over to Africa for a missions trip. And, and, and so they, they, said to, uh, they, they said to us, we were over there, and, and before we were going, they're like, yeah, you're going to see some real poverty. So in our mind, we think poverty is like, you know, somebody that sleeps in a tent down here, or we got them in Philadelphia, tent communities, right? And, you know, they get food and everything, and they get clothes, but they got tents, you know, and they, they can kind of live, but they don't have their own homes. So we call them homeless, or we say, okay, they're, they're poor, right? But we went over to, to Ghana out in the bush. It's poor over there. It, it, now that's poor. You got poor and you got poor. Poor and poor are different. If you can pronounce the O-R in poor, you still got a little hope. But when you poor, you ain't got nothing. All you got is what people give you. I had a little highlighter that um, at the end of my trip, I gave one of the attendants with me. And man, you would have thought I gave him a gold bullion, Dr. Stevens. He was like holding on to that highlighter. I'm like, man, I should have gave him two. Like, I mean, this, he's, like, he's like, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for highlighter. So here, here, here you have truth. But truth and, and, and knowledge are different. So over there, you know, they may say, uh, I know that person's, you know, poor. Over here, they may say the home people are poor. But when you get in situations over there in Africa versus here, we're not so poor over here. Here's another one, gravity. Gravity, we know gravity, right? It exists here on the earth. But you get outside the earth's atmosphere, what is gravity? See, the truth is something that doesn't change based on the environment. Knowledge does. They said, we know she's dead. See, Jesus knew the truth. They just simply had knowledge. So he, so he took, he, so he, 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 he put them out. So he says, he took, he took her by the hand and, and called out. He said, child, get up. What did he do? He spoke to the deadness in her. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. Do you see that? Jesus, he, first he had to deal with those who were skeptics and dealing with those who didn't know who he was, but G, that wasn't his assignment. His assignment was to heal this daughter. Now, here's the thing. Now, here's how you got to see God through life's interruptions. And I'm, I'm going to close. I'm, I'm almost done. Here's how you see God through life's interruptions. Number one, God will always, or sometimes, God will sacrifice the good for the better. Scriptures say he, he, establishes, he, he establishes the first so he can establish the second. So, so there'll be times where you think, oh, that person, oh, that's the one. <laughs> oh, that's the one. And then you get connected with that joker and you realize that ain't the one. That was the one for that moment, but that wasn't the one. So sometimes that, that first is established so that God can bring in what he really wants. So, so here Jesus is going to his assignment. He's going to heal th this daughter, but he gets interrupted. But here's one, here's one thing we've got to, knew, got to know. Three points here. That all things, even interruptions, work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Everything, setbacks, everything, heartache, everything, disappointment, all things work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. For so the qualifier is you got to love him and you got to be called according to his purpose. You got to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you do the self-test. Do you love Jesus? Oh, yeah, I love him. Well, have you kept his commandments? Well, I haven't. Well, that shows me that you don't love him. 
him. You may be acquainted with him. You may be affectionate toward him, but love has some actions. He says, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. And, and the purpose of God is not always to meet our needs, but the things that come in our life is for God to conform us into his image and to his likeness. So sometimes the challenges, they come for that. The second thing is this. Interruptions to us are providence to God. Interruptions to us are providence to God. Providence is a, is a divine involvement. It's foresight from someone outside of our purview. It is an intervention. God works in ways we don't know. Isaiah 46 and 10 says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times when it still is to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. God is at work. In the life of the believer. So just because things don't work out the way you want them to work out, it doesn't mean they're not working. Just because things don't work out the way you want them to, it doesn't mean that God is not working. Mm. We think we know what's right. But the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man. But in the end of that way is destruction. The thing I've learned, see, knowledge puffs up, right? The scripture says knowledge puffs up. See, the problem is, it's not what we know. It's what we think we know. It's not what you know that gets you jacked up. It's what you think you know. I know how to drive a stick shift. Okay, we're going to put you on a hill and we're going to let you take off in first gear we will know I can drive anything pastor okay you can all right cool or I can eat that it don't matter what time it is I'm all right you eat that um pizza at 11:30 at night if you want to you wake up in the morning talking about oh Jesus early will I seek you but I didn't plan on seeking you like this It's not what we know, it's what we think we know. Last point here. God's, the glory of God is revealed in impossible situations. So here we have Jesus being told, hey, Jairus' daughter, she's on her deathbed. Jesus, you've got to go and heal her. He's on his way. He gets stopped by a woman who's been suffering for the same amount of time as this little girl's been alive. She's now healed. And now Jesus is like, hey, look, we still got to go. They're like, no, don't worry about it. She's dead. See, it would have been one thing for Jesus to heal Jairus of a tummy ache or being half on her way to, to dead. But it's a whole nother thing for Jesus to raise this girl to life. Remember I said, sometimes we'll sacrifice the good for the greater. See, just, just imagine the testimony. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth heals a girl who was on her deathbed versus Jesus of Nazareth raises a girl who was dead now to life. 
See, sometimes we, we get it twisted. See, Jesus was knowing that this girl was okay. Why? Because he was life. He was the resurrection. Wherever he was, was healing. Wherever he was, was wholeness. So wherever Jesus is, is his will. His kingdom is where he is. And in his kingdom is healing. In his kingdom is deliverance. So Jesus knew that girl, well, even if she was dead, according to natural standards, in my economy, in God's economy, she was still alive. If you have made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, it doesn't matter what happens to this physical body. In Christ, you are still alive. Why? Because he quickened your spirit. Your spirit is alive, and your spirit is the real you anyway. This is just a shell. This is just, you know, earth suit so we can live here on earth. But somebody said, I'm living this life to live again. So Jesus is not only the God of this life, he's also the God of the life to come. And if you are alive in him, you never die. What Jesus simply did was just brought what was in eternity, brought it back down to reality and gave this girl back her life. Jesus knew she never died. If you've lost a loved one during COVID, this is, um, this is, this is horrific. You couldn't go to the hospital. Your loved one was there. I know of people who their, their loved ones died in the hospital. They couldn't see them and they got cremated. As devastating as that is, God was still with them. And you can trust that God was still in control. Jesus brought this girl back to life. Why? Because he knew his assignment. He knew that girl wasn't going to die. He knew that girl was going to live. And I want to speak to anybody here who is looking at interruptions in your life and saying, God, do you care about me? God, are you concerned about me? This is not what I had in the plan. I, my planner didn't have this on it. But God is saying, I want you to see me through life interruptions. Sometimes I may be delayed in getting to you, but I heard your prayer. I'm going to answer your prayer according to the word, according to your faith. I'm going to be the one that delivers in the time of trouble. God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Doesn't matter what happens in this body God ultimately will get all the glory will get all the praise in Jesus name come on let the church say amen amen come on join me standing stand on your feet stand on your feet stand on your feet if we can step back and just see God at work I don't know who was questioning God you were looking at things and say God I can't see you in this I want you to stop looking. I'm speaking to those who know Jesus now. Stop looking with your natural eyes. Start looking with your spiritual eyes. This, um, this uh, TV actor had these, uh, he was looking at this, 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 this picture of a field and he didn't see anything. And then this guy said, well, put on these glasses. So he gave him these glasses and he put them on and he saw that that field was a fully developed community. He took the glasses off. He's like, I don't see anything. He said, yeah, because you're looking with your eyes, but put on these eyes. What are you looking at? And through whose eyes are you looking at? If you know Jesus, you see him through all the interruptions, the setbacks. But I tell you what, I'm excited about the vision that God has given your pastor. I've known him for over 27 years and I've known him to be a leader, a visionary, a man of God, 
who desires to pursue God. I know him and his wife. I mean, we hung out in the calf on the campus. And look, because of what God allowed them to do, we're here. So you all had a setback. You all had an interruption. But God knew it all. And God said, I'm with you. And God said, I got you. I want to I speak to someone here. Maybe you're here and your faith is, you're, you're having issues. Your, your faith is on its last leg. And you're saying, God, these interruptions, I, I, just, I, just, I don't know if I'm seeing you anymore. Uh, but I want you to know that God sent me here to tell you that those interruptions were him. And if you really look with the eyes that he's given you, you'll see his glory through all of it. I know, you're like, well, Pastor, how, how, can, how can I see goodness through death and pain? Because God is always concerned with your eternal destination. That, that's his focus, because that's why we're here. We're living this life to make it to heaven with him. God sees you. God is calling you by your name because he loves you. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ at all, and the interruptions are interruptions to you, I'll tell you what, you'll never see God unless you accept him as your personal Lord, accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You, just by you coming to church doesn't make you saved. You have to make the confession. Romans 10, 9 and 10 said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. It's with that mouth we confess, but with the heart we believe. So everybody just raise your hands, close your eyes all over the building. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's only son. I accept you into my life as my personal Lord and Savior. I turn away from this world and I embrace you. Thank you, God, for saving me. If you prayed that prayer here or maybe you're watching online, I want you to reach out to this church. Reach out and say, hey, I made a decision for Jesus today. This church will wrap you in their arms. They'll love you. They'll walk with you. They'll help you to learn the things of God and to be a part of the fellowship of God. That's what it's all about. I want to, um, I guess we can, I want to, I want to just I know we're cutting, the time is just way out there, but can you all, I just want to pray for you all. If you all can just come meet me at the altar. Socially distanced, if you got your mask, put your masks on and um, you got, you can spread out all over here. And specifically the leaders, if you can kind of get in the front, if you can get in the front, if you're a leader, um, just, just want to pray for you. I have enjoyed myself, my wife and I have enjoyed our time with you. Just begin to worship the Lord. Just, just, just open up those mouths and say, Lord, I thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this is just enough people in here to turn the world upside down. <laughs> you got just enough people here. Father, I thank you as they're coming. I thank you, God. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. 
God, I pray that even in the midst of the interruptions that they've experienced personally, corporately, individually, God, I thank you that in the midst of it, God, that it can see you working things new, working things out. God, I thank you for the leadership of this house. I thank you for my friends. And I thank you, God, that you have called them. The call has never been altered. The call has never been adjusted. The call has never been tweaked. God, I thank you that you're giving them new vision, that you're giving them new sight, oh God, that they are seeing you afresh through these interruptions, God. Now, thank you that your word says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And I thank you, Lord God, that there's a greater deliverance, there's a greater anointing, God, there's a greater restoration happening, God. And I thank you. And God, I thank you for each and every member of this church, each and every visitor. God, I thank you, God, that you're working things out on their behalf. God, I pray that they would fall in love with you all over again, that they would be filled with the Spirit of God and be led by the Spirit of God. And I thank you, God, that you would increase their witness here in this Charlotte area and also in the world. We thank you and we praise you and we honor you and we celebrate you today. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, uh, elbow somebody, fist bump them as you take your seat. And I'm going to give it back to Dr. Stevens. Just fist bump them. Tell them we in this thing together. Say, I'm seeing God. I'm seeing God through life's interruptions. Hallelujah.